I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi, it's Malls. Reminder before the show to make sure that you are subscribed in Apple Podcasts. And if you're new, welcome to Please Advise Nation. Our show only works with your participation, so call 323-450-7408 with your dilemmas and life questions. Again, that's 323-450-7408 or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your voice notes or emails. Thank you and enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Please Advise episode 186. It's a long letters episode, and I think my mic just touched my dog's dick. Today, we have Lewis Peitzman. Hi, babe. Hi. So I promised I'm not going to gamble this episode, which is good. I think. Okay. Did you know I gambled? No. I spent $500 on scratch tickets and I wound up winning on my last ticket all $500 back. Oh my God. But. That's like such a like, uh, I thought that story was going to end a lot worse. No, it was literally like, well, I knew I was going to lose everything. Right. I was walked in prepared for that. But like when you are faced with an entire book, because I had to buy the whole book. Right. Of, of tickets and it's sitting before you and you have the California lottery app ready to scan every one. And as the stack goes down, you're not winning. It's very, uh, it's stressful. And right. I, there was no point during the whole process that I didn't want to throw up except for when I won. You won. That's so exciting. It was like a full five days after I started it because it was such a journey. It was a three hour episode. That's what I did to Christina last time she was out of town and why <laughs> I mention it. Gotcha. So okay. we're so going to have doing a that. chill, relaxed day today. Um, we did a, our rapport might be even more stepped up than usual, you might notice, um, because we did a Mother May I Sleep With podcast Patreon episode the other day, babe. I can hear you jeweling on the mic. I'm so glad. Okay, that seems good. like that's, 
<laughs> I feel like everyone. I, I, w- I really would like podcasts more if you could hear people jeweling on them. So whenever I like, I'm trying to jewel off mic, but no, I think it's good because whenever I like want to smoke a cigarette during an app, like, and I usually like want to start while we're listening to the call, I'll be like, Christina, like, let me light my cigarette like Lil Wayne at the top, like. <laughs> Like we come back and answer some lady's question about divorce and I'm like, hey, hey." Um, so we're going to read these long letters. I don't really know what's up with this. I want to talk with you, though, because our audience, I think, well, we actually talked about this last week with Dan Mario, who, you know, um, that you just got laid off from BuzzFeed. You were part of that whole messy situation. Yeah. How are you doing? Um, I'm all right. I am. Yeah. You know, ups and downs. Do you have like, what is like your, did you expect that if you were to ever get laid off that it would be during such, like it would be such a huge wave throughout the entire industry that you're in? No, I kind of like, I thought there were like plenty of moments where I was like, I'm going to get laid off, but I always thought that I would be like, it would just be like me and my team or something. And then it would be a lot less like stressful. I did not anticipate that like. I would get laid off along with like 2000 other journalists and then it would be just a clusterfuck of everyone scrambling to find new work. Yeah. Um, you were never, you never felt safe though. Well, no, I guess I got, I got comfortable cause I was there for six years. So I was right. like, I felt pretty chill. I felt like I was fine, but I wasn't like, I wasn't, you know, if I truly felt like I was not in a good place or that I wasn't, I wasn't safe. I probably would have saved more money. <laughs> Right. Like I would have had a savings. That's like, that's when you hit your six. Like you don't think you're going to go anywhere. Like right. it's maybe you're one, two, three, even four. I thought I would leave on my own terms at some point, but I did not think I'd be, I would be asked to leave. Um, Can I ask like what your thought is? And I know, I know you might not be able to get totally into everything. Like what your thought is in particular with Buzzfeed where you guys seem to be doing the best you ever have just in terms of like breaking that huge story recently with like right. the whole I mean the thing is like the explanation that was given was that like BuzzFeed hit their revenue targets but like that's not enough to be profitable and like news was news itself was never profitable so you know it's being basically subsidized by like viral content that makes money and video and ads and all that shit so it's like news was always going to be losing money. And I think that it makes sense that they would want to kind of like shrink that down and be less of a suck on resources. Right. Um, But for me, like for my team, you know, I was, I went through so many reorgs of like entertainment and that I never really, that I, that always seemed like, you know, whatever wasn't working before was still not really working. Like it was never quite like we settled and I was like, this is going really well. So, um, yeah, I, 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 it's weird. Like I was both like really shocked by how quickly everything happened, but also like not super surprised. Who do you feel has like had the roughest go in light of like a layoff, for example, you have six years of resume experience. Like you have a lot of fans out there. Like who was probably affected most by this? Um, you mean like by the BuzzFeed layoffs? Yeah, like older reporters that might not have as much like, you know, heat or yeah, younger people I, with that I mean, experience. Yeah, I feel worse for like the people who are there are a lot of people like who are more behind the scenes yeah you know and or like the creatives who like you know were, were basically doing um you know viral content and lists and quizzes and stuff but like for brands like and they didn't have their the name names on aren't it. on there yeah. you know and a, a lot of those people like did have kind of online personalities and like brands which is great um but a lot of them didn't and i think it's so much harder i mean 
I think that you have to kind of like, I, I hate like the idea of like networking, but just like, you know, keep and maintain like connections and sort of like make sure you're constantly in touch with other writers and editors. So yeah. that if this stuff happens, like you have people reaching out to you being like, how can I help you? Like, do you need freelance work? Like whatever. Right. Um, and but I, you also did really good work too. Thank and you. like, that's why you have so many fans. Yeah. I think that like, you know, the work should speak for itself, but at the same time, like you have to, you have to be fostering connections. Sure. And I think like, and also meaningful connections. You can't just be like, I don't I know. There are people who like people key. who like who are either like half-assing it or are really like transparently not. Like there are people who like w- would email me. People, you know, when someone's like gone on a date with you two years ago and then like emails you for like a job rec and you're kind of like, no, like right. I, we don't know each other. Like we're not friends. Like you have not tried to like you know be in my life at all. You just kind of want like whatever connection. Like that's not the same as like having an actual relationship with someone. It's interesting that you say that because I. I was doing these like confession things on my Instagram. I think I've talked about it where people were like confessing stuff. And one of the biggest confession, like responses that people had to one of the confessions was a girl said that she didn't give a former coworker or maybe employee a good recommendation. Yeah. Like she said not to hire her. And oh, I would never of, do that. A lot of people had a really visceral reaction to it I, as I did as well, which yeah. was just like, I'm never going to stop someone's bag. Like I absolutely like, but at the same time, it's unclear whether or not the girl asked if she could have the recommendation. Right. But still. You should always ask. And also, like, you know, the proper thing to do is if someone's like, will you recommend me? Is to say, like, I'm not super comfortable doing that. But that's hard. I probably would just do it anyway. Right. Unless someone was like, if someone were applying for a job with, like, it, like working for someone that I know and, like, and they were terrible at their job, and I knew that they would be, like, a pain in the ass of someone that I know and care about, I probably would not want that person... I wouldn't want to be responsible for that person hiring a horrible person to work with. Right. But I also wouldn't, like, say, yeah, for sure, I'll recommend you, and then be like, don't hire this person. Well, when people roll up sometimes, like, a guy you went on a Tinder date with two years ago, like, when they roll up in your stuff being like, hey, like, you know, just, like, creepy crawlies, hey, can you give me a work recommendation? Sometimes it can be innocent, And like, you know, maybe you're not comfortable giving the work recommendation just because like you don't know their work ethic well enough and it could fall on you. But I'm the same way as you, which is that I'd be like kind of a softy and just be like, sure, like, you know, why not? Right. Most times that people would reach out to me, though, it's like I actually couldn't help. Like I would get like messages like every day from randos being like, there's a job opening at BuzzFeed, like in this department, like, could you help? And I would be like, I genuinely don't know who was in that department, who I would talk to. Like, I don't know how much my recommendation, like, what would I even say? Like, I don't know what I'm recommending. Like, right. I mean, a lesson I've had to learn the hard way is like, sometimes when things come up like that, it's like the person is, um, you have to really know a person when you're recommending. Cause like maybe, you know, that person just sees you as a weak link, like someone who can help usher them into the next level. And like, you know, then that falls on you and now there's discomfort in your own workplace and maybe even you're on the line because like you brought this person in without really knowing them because yeah. you wanted to do a favor because you're feeling like, oh, I, you know, I'm I'm doing well. I want to help other people do well yeah. or like, why not? YOLO, sure. Like if you're qualified, why not? Um, there was like, there was, a, there, was a, there was like a recommendation bonus at BuzzFeed. So like I did have a friend apply for like, uh, on the tech side of things. That sounds like, um, and I was like, pyramid scheme. 
no but i was like yeah by all means like someone that i know and trust and like wanted him to get the job because i was like i would have i could have used that money yeah um but how much was it i don't remember but it was like it was good and then it was like like, 500 or like no like in the thousands oh and then i don't remember exactly how much it was and then it was like you we get more if they were there for like six months great um so i was like please like let's do this i'm happy to get an uber credit Right. Right. Um, but it did not it did not work out. They did not he did not make it past like the first round of interviews. Um but yeah, I mean that was something where like I I trusted him and we talked about why he would be cuz I also had to like write a thing about why he'd be good for the job. So I like talked right. to him and I was like why would you be good for the job? Like what like like tell me about your experience so that I can like say this and not feel like I'm lying and not feel like I'm just like repeating what you want me to say. Yeah, I had a friend sort of dealing with something recently where she was saying that she had to get a bunch of recommendations from her coworkers. And I was like, yo, like, first of all, you're smart enough not to ask anyone that you kind of don't fuck with for a recommendation. And secondly, like, what does a person get out of writing you a bad recommendation? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that I don't know. The I people that I truly hate, I would hope, would not ask me for a recommendation somewhere. You have to be smart, of course. Like, when you ask for a recommendation, for sure. Yeah. Like, you have to very be very strategic with it. But so I like want to also ask you if you feel like... Because I know that not just BuzzFeed laid people off. It was a lot of different sites. Huffington Post and Vice. And so, like, one of my questions with that is, like... Was it that Bitcoin dropped? Like, what the fuck happened that, like, all of a sudden, all these places that seem to be thriving? Right. Well, the I same mean, week? media's broken. Uh, that's part of it. You know, a lot of things went wrong. A lot of a lot of companies, like BuzzFeed in particular, like relied on you know Facebook to be sharing their shit, and then right. like the algorithm changed, and like numbers go down, and oh, then ads go so down, and like because I was gonna say that makes total sense. It's like the ad sales aren't cycling right yeah so that's a big part of it and then like i think a lot of it is just like it's not a very you know a lot of these models aren't sustainable and no one wants to pay for anything so like you know new york magazine and all of those like in vulture and the cut and all those sites that you know are part of that i forget what the umbrella company is there but like they all went behind a paywall of like five dollars a month which I'm paying now because five dollars a month is very reasonable. Very <laughs> but reasonable. But like most of those sites, like you don't want to pay for it. Like no one wants to pay for a time subscription. No one wants to pay for like. Um, I'm you know. furious. I pay for a time subscription. <laughs> like every time I open up the Washington Post and I can't read, I'm like, oh, I guess I have to go over to the fucking New York Times where I pay them. Right, but like that's <laughs> that's but that's the problem, and it's it's sort of that thing of like it's not that it's that much money, but it adds up, and it's like it adds it's up kind up of like how we all we all cut the cord with cable, and now we're paying for all these fucking subscription services, like all these different like apps and like channels Especially and all this stuff when it's like for one article it's right. like because i want to read that like one opinion piece or that one piece of like so it, right so it only makes sense if it's something like where you're like oh i go to this site all the time and i read all the time like for vulture for me i was like i am on vulture all the time right or i'm reading the cut like i i don't mind paying five dollars a month because i know that i'm reading at least a couple articles every day is that included in my new york times thing no no, it's no, separate. Separate. Isn't Vulture owned by the New York Times? No, it's New York Magazine. Oh, mm. not the New York Times Magazine. Oh, mm. I know, mm. I know. It's rough. I don't and get it's, that. It's very, it's, it's frustrating. Um, I don't. Yeah, I, I. But no one wants to pay for anything. You know, we, we for so long we just didn't pay for anything, and so paywalls feel very foreign. And you know, BuzzFeed was always like, "We'll never go behind a paywall." That was very anti, like 
you know, what they wanted to do. And, and I get that. Um, but it's like, there's something about the written word online that like has the last level of respect. It's like, we should get the newspaper for free almost like it's 50 cents or it should be free online. We all came up in an age where we were, you know, blogging for free and now we tweet for free and we're giving away all the shit for free. Right. And so our mentality, like my mentality has always been like, even now when I'm like, do I want to do a Patreon? Do I want to do like mm-hmm. a Substack newsletter? Like I'm like, I can't believe I'm asking people to give me money to write, even though I would never write an article for no pay. Like if someone was like, do it for exposure, I'd be like, you know, fuck you pay me. Yeah. And yet like with my own work, I'm like the idea of charging people feels so foreign to me. You know, when I went to the library as a kid, which I did a lot, the microfiche after a certain amount of time, if you were going to be looking at microfiche, yeah. you had to you had to pay. Do you think your listeners know what microfiche is? I don't give a fuck. I'm just guys, cu- I'm just curious. Microfiche, I love microfiche. I love microfiche. It was like such a like obsessive for it, so I don't understand like why you wouldn't know. But basically, it's where you could go and look at old newspapers right. through like I guess it was so fun if you like watch like slides, a, if you like watch but... a movie where they're doing it it's like so fun to watch people like like researching on microfiche I feel like we're like the youngest you can be to, oh, and know what sure. it is like I think a little bit after us and I remember when I was we're the last stop on the block honey no totally but when I was in high school I did a college program at UCSD for a summer mm-hmm. like just for a few weeks and I remember we had to do a research paper and we like went to the library and did research that way but then when I was actually in college, like everything was online. Like I never, and when I was in college, they were like at the summer program, they were like, you're going to learn skills here that will help you in college. And then I got to college and they were like, you can just look shit up online. Yeah, exactly. Like it stopped being like, like I did never went to the library to do research. Yeah. Like and, they, and, my college library didn't have a card catalog and I felt so ripped off because I was like, honey, I know my way around a card yes, catalog. I mean, we learned how to do that stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, like. You know, obviously there are people like if you're doing serious research for like a book or yeah. whatever, like you do go to libraries and do research. That's still ha- that is still a thing. There is not everything is digitized, but for like a simple research paper, I'm like, yeah, I can probably find that somewhere else. Can I tell you something that's like off topic, but it's not. So like I, um, I had an ex-boyfriend who would always joke around about how he was in like quote unquote stupid math, which I was also in. Um, and how he like the first day the teacher like told everyone to open a phone book and like how to order a pizza. Right. And um, my class was not completely dissimilar. And one of like the first things they really taught us how to do was like balance a checkbook. Right. And like looking back, that was I mean, I already knew how to do that because my mom made me open up a checking account when I was 10. Um, <laughs> to learn how to do that and also buy my first CD. Right. Um, but I, uh, which I've learned nothing from, but that is so much more useful and exactly the kind of shit that they should be teaching high school students. Right. But I don't, do they, does anyone need to do that anymore? Like, yeah, because like kids literally like half the people out there, half the kids out there are like, why didn't my teachers teach me how to pay my taxes? Right. And it's like, well, that's like, yeah. And that's like, they're, you know, they're, there were life skills. There was home economics where like right. you were learning these, like these life skills that you don't. Oh, they didn't have that when I was. Right. I had, we, we had home ec when I was in middle school, but it was like mostly baking. Yeah. I feel but like there, they need there, to there teach were, you. Right. Like... There are like basic life skills that you should learn at the same time. Like I remember when I was in like math classes, everyone being like, being like, what is this useful for? And they would tell you and all that shit is not useful anymore. No. Like, all I really need to know to, how to do is calculate 20% so I can tip properly. Right. And if I really can't figure it out, I can go on my phone and figure it out. I have an out. app for that. Right. 
Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's easy though. It's a fifth, so I pretty Trigger much can get it. With Killer Mike, I haven't watched it yet. They did a whole episode just basically where he went to an elementary school. I think I already talked about this on this podcast. Sorry, but he did an whole episode in elementary school where he said to the kids like. What do you want to be when they grow up? When you grow up, and they were all like, "I want to cure cancer. I want to be the president." And he said, "Okay, you're not going to do that." <laughs> He's like, "Realistically, you need to learn a trade." And so they had someone come in and teach them how to change a doorknob and how to do all this other stuff. And like, I do, I do wish that I had a trade. Yeah. Like, I am stuck in my brain. It's why I love my store because yeah. it opens up a new part of my mind that in that then informs the rest of my brain to like, you know get creative but um i wish that i all those years that i was really broke i would sit there and be like i wish i even had money to go to beauty school yeah because like it would just be something that i could do that's like a real job that's not working at home goods and i by the way i know i always say like working at home goods or working at the hallmark store that's because those are the places i would want to work if i had to (laughs) work at a job like that it's because i've pre-thought them out but also it's like what I really hope I never have to do and what could be inevitable for me unless I learn a tactile skill because I can get paid to be creative still. But if that should ever come to an end, which it surely will for everyone, um, like what what will that look like for me? Yeah. Unless like, you know, I continue to invest well, like, but I I keep thinking about like when I'm like, what would I pivot to if I weren't a writer and I'm like I don't have any skills maybe a landlord I thought like maybe I could like sell my house and buy like a whole fucking building right or like remortgage my house and buy a building and and like something and even like if that. you did that there's all these things that like you would run into that you don't know how to do like probably well, I would have to hire solve. a company right but even but I'm just saying like there's all these like you like it's not actually like nothing is that intuitive it all takes like learning either by doing or by like being taught how to do these things absolutely and I will tell you that being my own landlord is like difficult like things just come up all the time right like little snafus everything costs a lot of money like nothing is cheap it either like is a light bulb or it's literally like thousands of dollars right um there's really no in between and i feel like if i was running an apartment building it would be that all day every day like that's where you have to find your good maintenance man Mm -hmm. where do you really find a good maintenance man these days who can you trust especially if you're me like it would have to be something that was all managed by people that were not me and I just paid the money. Yeah. But like, that's not still not a real job. Yeah. I just like, I, there's, I just feel like I, there's so many basic life skills that I have not learned and I'm still constantly freaking out about like, how did I make it this far without knowing these very simple things? Mm. So I, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. I learn a little something every day. I would fuck heavy with like working at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. Absolutely. Like I feel like the guy Alvin from the Cosby show was probably better off working at Trader Joe's. That's about the speed I'm at. Right. You know, like just because you're a talented actor doesn't mean you shouldn't work at Trader Joe's. That sounds like a great job to me. Right. Well, most of the actors I know now are like finding other kinds of work because even if you're like a like a talented actor, there's no guarantee you're going to keep finding enough work to like pay your bills. Isn't it something like 4% of SAG is actually working? I mean, I don't know. That sounds about right. Because there's like, when you think about like what SAG is overall, like I was um, reading about something recently where they were talking about all the SAG actors they had to hire in Pittsburgh. And I was like, whoa. Like to think that there's a whole like Screen Actors Guild 
cluster of people in Pittsburgh that everywhere. work in Pittsburgh. Right. There is everywhere for sure, but like it's it's very rare that I'm, it's like people in Boston who are in SAG, except to a lesser degree, because I think less movies film there. Right. So it's like, whoa, that's really hard to get that work, you know? Yeah. Okay, so want to get into our letters? Yes. Okay, I'll read the first one. You read the next one. Okay, it says, hi, I have an ongoing mystery in my building. My sister and I are trying to crack with our weird neighbors. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with this. I already love this. I know, I'm like, you and I are both horned up. Looking <laughs> for your take on it. The couple next door seems to rarely leave their apartment. They get these huge boxes of Walmart groceries delivered, etc. The dude who lives directly above me is a cokehead who's loud as fuck making a ruckus all night long. The weird couple has people buzzing them all day long, but specifically they will buzz people around 3 a.m. like every night. And whoever they're letting in goes up to the crazy cokehead's apartment. I don't... I-D-G-I? I don't get it. Oh, Every night at 3 a.m., buzz, chatter, noise upstairs, smell of weed from window. What do we think is going on here, y'all? How is the couple tied into this? They're the fucking Coke dealers. Sorry. Um, Sorry. (laughs) How is this couple tied into this? Why are they the one buzzing this person or persons in so late at night? I don't know. Okay, let me know if you need more info. Like this 3 a.m. person does not stop by the couple's neighbors, just the Coke head. It's a nightly ritual. Me and upstairs guy used to share a dealer who would both be chilling on the block. One of these times I asked him, please, please keep the noise down. I definitely see my next door neighbors getting hard stuff via dark web, but I don't get the upstairs connection. I've never seen them together interacting. Barely see this couple in general. I don't know. It unsettles me to be physically in the middle of this. Please advise. I'm going to withhold your name because I just realized I know who you are. Okay, so I'm not totally clear. I'm so confused by this letter. Do you want to read this letter? So basically... No, but what, they're, what they're saying, though, is that, like, they have upstairs neighbors who are, like, getting hard drugs delivered. They're clearly, like... They're cokeheads. They're cokeheads. But, but they're buzzing in someone for the other neighbors? It seems like the husband and wife are buzzing in with the Walmart grocery deliveries. Right. They're buzzing in someone that then goes to the cokeheads' apartment, but they don't stop at the Walmart people's apartment. Right. But it's possible that, like, I mean, it could be a really simple explanation, like, that they're just, like, druggy friends and that, like, their buzzer doesn't work, so they're buzzing in people for... I mean, I'm going to tell you what I think it is. I think the Walmart grocery people are the big boss, and I think the people upstairs are the casual Coke, like, you know. I was just thinking about how I dated a guy who, like, they had, like, re... They had, like, basically created two apartments out of one. Yeah. So... When people wanted to buzz for him, they would buzz the neighbor, so he would have to let them in. That could be it. But you have to kind of have a good relationship with them, especially if they're buzzing at 3 a.m. You have to, like, basically, you have to have some sort of relationship because there's obviously shady shit going on, but I wonder if the explanation for the buzzing is just simply, like... Right. And my friend does work, like, a 9 to 5, the one that sent this. I could see her, like, she's around some days of the week, but, like, for the most part, she's at a 9 to 5. So I feel like that's a good window to have run into someone at some point. Right. I don't know. I honestly would say that it's. I don't think it's a coincidence that everyone in your building, including you, does drugs, um, that you used to share a drug dealer with the guy upstairs. Right. I kind of think that maybe the Walmart guy could be the guy supplying the guy on the street mm. that was selling you drugs with drugs and that the guy upstairs, it's sort of like they're coming off the street with the drugs that you guys both used to buy. Yes. And what you don't know is that 
now that's where the party goes. I think it's like it's one of those things where it's like anyone who's ever been a casual drug user, even just like buying weed. And this is maybe this is naive of me, but like you kind of just try to not think about the big boss because like there's always going to be some sort of like shadier, like more high stakes person involved with all of this stuff. Right. And you're hoping that you're just you're just dealing with like a low level dealer who's not going to like be involved in any sort of serious crime beyond like selling you weed. So I feel like the Walmart delivery people that they are the ones that deal with the big big boss yeah. and that they're just some sort of like medium level min- middleman but they're not going to be standing out on the street right they're going to be breaking up the bricks they're going to be like doing that shit in their apartment but like from a lesser supply and then that stuff goes out to the street yeah and then i think the cokehead upstairs is just a casualty of all of this or he got into the apartment because i'll tell you if I was a fucking Coke dealer, I would like to have Coke addicts that live in my building that aren't going to rat on me. Yeah. And I would also want to supply them. So if I were you, I would ask the Cokehead upstairs how we found out about the building in the first place. Yeah. And I also would ask you how you found out about the building in the first place. And I and I know that you, the person I'm talking to, that I know you know <laughs> who I know you are, um, I know that you would not that you wouldn't have found this through that sort of resource. But I feel like they must have either figured you were down with it or that you weren't going to protest. Right. In terms of the part about feeling uncomfortable with being in the middle of all that, like, I don't know. I'm very much like live and let live. And if like I'm in my apartment and can lock my door, I pretty much like, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. But also like there is something about like, waking up to like drug deals happening above it's you. That's scary. like not, it's not great. No, it's scary. And it's, I understand it. And it, this is a person who I don't think she's scared of it. I think she's involved with drug culture and this is like a mystery to her. Right. By the way, like this is just, this person is my friend. This isn't like indicative of the company I keep overall, <laughs> but they're younger and like live in a different city. So um, that doesn't, yeah. So all of that said, but so yes, I know someone who does drugs, but I don't, <laughs> I'm personally shocked, but, uh, I'm gonna walk out right now. I know, but I just like, this isn't just cause I know this person isn't, I'm not like, Oh, I know how fucking drugs work. Like I don't like, I'm as puzzled by this as you, but if I had to write the fucking law and order SVU episode, I would say that. And I would say the fact that like, if you got the dealer's number from him, the upstairs guy, yeah. I would say that that was almost an insurance on making sure that you were cool. Yeah. Because usually once someone has bought drugs from someone, there's like an inherent like... They're not okay, going to suddenly be like, I'm going to rat you out. We're both bad dudes. Right. Like we, I, I do drugs, you sell drugs. Like, you know, usually the person buying drugs is the one that feels the most guilty yeah. about all of it. Um, cause they haven't like really reconciled And because it. like people buying drugs, it's often just like, you're the one of your friends who can get stuff and like... Doesn't mean oh, you're like heavily sure. involved in drug culture. It just means like you're looking for blow for the weekend. And do you know how weird I feel like going to buy mushrooms? And I'm like, <laughs> um, can I have like an ounce of mushrooms? And I'm like, this is not my life. Like, right. I will maybe get two of these like caps like this weekend, but I'm buying for everyone because I know a shaman named Katie. Like, we all know a shaman named Katie. You know what I mean? But yeah. metaphorically speaking, um, yeah. This is such a weird, like, it's such a weird thing because, like, there definitely is logical explanation. But, like, if I were in the situation, I'd be like, yeah, it's weird drug shit and just kind of, like, write it off. Because I can't think too hard about, like, right. the the inner workings of, like, that whatever 
dealer hierarchy is going on there. I feel like if this was like, I'll tell you this. I feel like whatever it is when it came to you being selected to move into this apartment, they sensed something in you that I know doesn't exist in you that I know exists in me, which is the I fucking had it gene where like I at a certain point, I'm going to be Karen and I'm going to have to talk to the manager (laughs) and I'm going to be like, I'm sorry. Like, just because I signed up to live in New York City doesn't mean at 3 a.m. you can be buzzing people up and like doing drugs and being loud on that. Right. I don't even think that's my friend's problem. Right. Right. So like that's the difference between her and I. I think she's just like a little bit bewildered by this. Yeah. Whereas like I I definitely, though, am scared of the cops calling the cops. Like I had oh, like yeah. a domestic dispute happening like 24 seven at my old place on Sunset. And I would always ask the landlord to call the cops. and He'd be like, I don't hear anything. And um I was terrified to call the cops and it took me till they moved out. I never they I never called because right. I was like, well, I'm a single woman. This guy is clearly not afraid of getting in a woman's face. Right. Like and she would you know, it was like a very up and down thing. So that said, like, I don't do well in that environment. I absolutely snitch to the landlord. Right. And I think that they're counting on the fact that you have appeared and continue to be someone who's not going to call a landlord. I had an upstairs neighbor who was a real, who was up at all hours, had people over at all hours. And I mean like 5 a.m. dance parties where I'm like, I don't know how much blow you're doing, but it must be a lot because like no one parties that long unless you're right. on drugs. Um, I never had a problem, but like there were times when it was just like, and then it would be he'd be up at like eight a.m. like like blasting Britney, and I would be like, "How are you doing this? And why am I hearing all of it?" And the way that my apartment works is like there's a vent in the kitchen oh. where I can if I stand under that vent and there's someone in the kitchen upstairs, I can hear every word they're saying. Like it's, it's just like it's very whatever. And I could always hear this sound that I wasn't sure if it was. I thought it was a sound of someone emptying a bowl somewhere, like like just t- like like tapping their like their bowl out. But it also could be doing lines, like cutting lines. Like it was uh, like a very, it was like sort of that sound. Yeah. Um, I Ew. never knew which it was, but I assumed it was blow because just of like the hours they kept. Um, and it was fine. But one night he was like, I ran into him and he was like, did you like snitch on me to the landlord? Because like I got in trouble. And I was like, no, I mean, I, I honestly hadn't. But I'm the kind of person where if someone accuses me of something, I get so nervous that I sound like I'm yeah. lying. But I really hadn't. You can usually see it on a person's face, even I was if like, they sound insincere. And I, I was like, no. I mean, like, I also just didn't, it wasn't a big enough deal for me, but there were times, and he even said to me once, like, is it too loud? Like, should I keep it down? And even then I was afraid to be like, yes, please, because this is going on at all hours. Yeah. There was one night, oh my God, it was 5 a.m. And someone, like some drunk guy outside buzzed every apartment in the building trying to wake him up because he's like, I left my wallet in his apartment. I need to get it. I'm like, I can't get in. So he buzzed every apartment. And I, cause my window I'm on the first, I was on, I'm on like not the ground floor, but like the first floor. Yeah. And I could hear, I can hear I'm like right in front of the door. So I could hear him outside. And I could hear this guy being like, why are you buzzing my apartment? I'm going to kick the shit out of you if you like buzz again. But he was like, basically whining, crying, being like, I need to get my wall. It was a, it was a whole mess. Um, anyway, that guy moved out and now there's like a chill guy upstairs. So it's fine. Yeah. And like, also the other thing is, is like there, you know, I don't leave my house much and I get stuff delivered all the time. You know, I, get, so, I get late night food delivery so often that I'm like, this is probably annoying for my neighbors, but, but no, I mean, just like in terms of like the Walmart people, uh, like, yeah. it's like, I honestly, like sometimes when you, 
like ask people like, oh, what's going on up there? It's like I've met people that are like, oh, I freelance late at night. Right. Like I write all night. Like, sorry if I bother you. I get my groceries delivered during the day because they sleep all day. Like, Or I have I have mild agoraphobia and don't like leaving my apartment. Yeah. Or I'm like fucking severely depressed. Right. Like, sometimes there can be interesting answers behind these questions. So like even though my mind goes immediately to the salacious, which I'm not going to lie, I think you wanted um, because like you want a mystery solved. I'll give you a little mystery, honey. Here's a law and order breakout. But like. At the same time, I think it could just be as something as simple as this couple is easy with the doorbell. Maybe there's yeah. some sort of like thing that 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 we don't understand about how the doorbell works in that building. Maybe like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, there's less salacious possibilities. There are, but I mean, it sounds like this person has reason to believe that there's a lot more going on drug wise. Do you? I don't know to- how. I don't know how you know there are like packages from the dark web being delivered, but I trust their judgment there. Yeah. It's like funny. Cause I, I can also tell by the way this email is written that it might not have been like a purely sober email. <laughs> so part of me wonders if like dark webs getting a little creative or what, it, what that might be. Cause like there's a big difference between walmart.com grocery delivery right. and fucking dark web delivering fentanyl to your house. Um, but Lewis, do you want to read um, letter number two? Yeah, I'm functionally literate, but I'll try. Okay. Like, I'll yeah. do my best. Um, okay. Uh, Wags, come on. Hey, Malls, Christina, Wags, and guest. I have this bizarre situation that I've been meaning to call or write about for a while. So I'm 30 and happily married. Ugh, good for you. Sorry, that was my aside. Um, we just moved to a bigger space in a different part of the city and are just in a really good, healthy place in life and our relationship. My situation has come up relating to the recent move, which I'll do my best to summarize. So there's a guy from before I met my husband and our life seemed to re-intersect every like eight or 10 years. Not anything intentional, just strangely coincidental. Pretty much my whole life. The second time we reconnected was in high school and we casually dated, but then we went off to separate colleges and fell out of touch. After a while, he transferred to where I was. We reconnected and started hooking up off and on through most of college. When we were together, he'd talk about pretty personal things like we were seriously dating, but we never actually became exclusive and he'd go silent on me. That was really painful and I feel so terrible about myself even though I was also seeing all of the classic red flags when we were quote on. So we started dating someone new but was still telling me he missed me. I was done with the hot and cold thing at this point so I stopped responding and shortly after that I met my now husband who is basically his polar opposite. This other guy and I haven't talked since. He just follows me on Insta but he doesn't interact (laughs) at all. Well it turns out this guy who now is also married lives really close to our new place Since the move, I've already seen him with his wife at the grocery store, and I completely avoided him trying to make eye contact because I just wasn't ready to deal. My body basically went numb. I felt really... Trying not to make eye contact? Yeah. Okay. Or he was trying... It sounds like he was trying to make eye contact and she was avoiding. My body basically went numb. I felt really disoriented, and I had to remember to breathe, which was a reaction I wasn't expecting. Now I often find myself going through different scenarios in my head, like if I had no other option but to talk to him somewhere in public, what would I say or how would I react? Maybe I'm just making this a bigger deal than it actually is. I don't know. It's just reminding me of a lot of things I thought I had processed and moved past. I really want to hear your honest thoughts about uh, any of this, but also with these two questions. One, how to to not have the same physical response because it seems like we're just going to keep crossing paths forever. And two, how to get this off my mind in general. Side story, my parents very recently ran into his parents at a restaurant, not realizing who each other were at first, and his parents ended up apologizing to mine for this guy, I wasn't really sharing our thing with my parents when it was happening, so they were confused about the apology. 
I don't know what exactly his parents were referring to, but they clearly knew enough to give an apology. Again, I don't know. Love you guys. Okay. Um, the answer to question number one, unfortunately, is time. And the answer to question number two, unfortunately, is also time. Well, I mean, it's it because sounds like this wasn't resolved at all. Like we've all we all have that person that like we this is like such a common thing where you have never, that person. Mm, you, he's it's never going to be resolved. I I know what you're gonna say. I also have that person that literally to this day will text me. And right. it's like, dude, like you are married and like I like if I'm in a relationship or not, I'm like, dude, what do you want me to say to this? Right. And um, the unf- the thing that you said that I was waiting for, which is really key, which is that he dicked you around about the status of your relationship and the level of commitment. And so that said, this guy is literally just a guy that wants to get away with everything he can get away with and be okay with like, you know, he'll make you want to, he'll make you say, I forgive you just for his own mental health. And it's not about like you, right. it's nothing that you can help. So I honestly like... This guy is a manipulator. You dodged a bullet. I think the only thing you can do over time is process that. I think that if you met his parents, that they probably perceived you as like a really good egg and that he fucked it up. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to say, I mean, I'm going to say it's something she didn't get closure because this ended whatever, like one of their like flings ended and she met her now husband. But I don't think that like, I wasn't going to say you should get closure with him because you never get closure with those people. It's like always like Mm. an, it's an internal thing. You have to kind of figure out on your own how to move past it because but we agree he's one of those people. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I think that like, I think that there's this like, and I have this problem too, where I believe in the good in people like of to course. a fault. And so like when someone repeatedly dicks me around, I always want to believe I'm going to run into them and they're going to apologize. I'm going to get what I need, right. which is like them to be like, I fucked up. It was like, I made a mistake. Like, I'm going to just leave your life now forever, but I want you to know that you were right. And like, I was or the one gonna who Or it's going to be up. such a good time. Or you're going like, to like end up together. But No, oh no, I mean like <laughs> such a good time that it's like, oh, we're better off as friends. And that comes right. much later. Yeah, I just think that like, you can, like, he just seems like such a classic, like, dick bag, like pops up in your life at the worst possible times to ruin things. Yeah. That like, you you can never, you can't expect anything to ever you can't expect anything from him that's going to make you feel better. It has to be something from, you know, you have to get past that on your own. Basically, I think what you're struggling with is is maybe like fully grasping the concept that like he's that guy. And then on top of that, knowing that like maybe like give yourself a little bit of like credit when it comes to even you realizing that because it can take a very long time for someone to even realize that happened to them, especially when you guys have known each other for what, for only 30 years old to say that he comes into your life every eight to 10 years. Like, did you meet on a Norwegian like cruise line? Like, how did you guys must've been kids because if they reconnected in high school, then like they were friends when they were kids. And then, so like every eight to 10 years, like that's a, (laughs) that's a, like, how do you, how does that work? Um, but without it being like the only two or three times that you guys ever connected in your lives, it was really toxic. Yeah. Um, I think that like you just have to get used to the idea and really over time you will see the scope of what being him is going to look like for his life and focus on the relationship you have, which is like the one you wound up in because it's the one that you should be in. Yeah. And I I know that you're satisfied with your husband. I don't think that this is what that's like about. I think that you're seeing someone that 
kind of manipulated you yeah. for a, for a long time and you're seeing him and it's like triggering a response in you like almost like running into your former kidnapper at the grocery <laughs> store as an adult you know like it's a it's i'm sure it's a very weird feeling i've been in that situation with people from different scenarios and it can be shocking to see someone you cared about i think the other thing that's hard is that like i always do like magical thinking and also like if there's someone who keeps reappearing in your life, it can feel really faded in a way yes. that like it's not. And sometimes like the truth is you cross paths with people throughout your life for a variety of reasons. And like while the circumstances of you seeing this guy again might be random coincidences, like him inserting himself into your life is an intentional thing. It's not yes. like fate is pushing you together. It's like he has repeatedly been near you in some way and then inserted himself into your life. That's not like, you know, the universe saying you should be together or you should, you have to have an interaction. That's just like this guy finding you at moments of vulnerability and preying on you. Yeah. And I also think that like, you know, let's say on the other side of, even if you guys both had kids tomorrow and you both stayed in the same neighborhood, like you really have no reason to socially interact until let's say you have kids who are in the same kindergarten class. And like, at that point, you will surely have skated on from this. Yeah. So, like, it's not going to be a consistent thing. You can tune it out as in terms of, like, your emotional response when you see him. Um, you know, it can take r- years to move past something that really, like, affected you, especially when something has seemed faded or it seemed like, oh, this is, like, my, my hope right now. Like, this is the thing that's going to keep me alive and, like, be my my focus that I have to like keep me on the right path um which in a weird way it sounds almost like he might be that for you um I'm a big fan of exposure therapy and tolerating discomfort and I feel like a lot of the way you get over the situations is like dealing with the fact that like you're gonna have these run-ins possibly and that you kind of have to get past whatever like you can have in them in that husband no I wonder I was thinking the same thing I was like should you tell the husband but I feel like it's so hard because like I read this and I don't feel like it comes from, you feel the same way. It doesn't come from a place of dissatisfaction with her own marriage, but it's so hard to articulate why someone from your past can cause you that much pain oh, even yeah. if you've moved on. Yeah, it's interesting. I I wonder if, you're, if your husband does know um, about this guy, um, tell him. Just be like, I feel really creeped out when I see him. Just be like, I don't know. I mean, I have exes out there that I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, when I see their family on Facebook, I'm like... Hope y'all are okay. Right. You know, hope it fucking like, hope that works out. Like, but you know, it, it, uh, I think that that's a relatable feeling and that your husband may have someone like that in his own life that he hasn't maybe told you like, yeah, I still feel weird around that girl from high school or whatever. Um, just maybe express that to him. And if you're in really deep, if you're in this relationship with your husband, you haven't told him about him. I feel like, you know, you're in it for the long haul at this point. It might be a good time to mention. It's going to come up. It will come up at some point because you are in a community. And this might be a test of your own honesty. I'll tell you that. Like when you run around with a bunch of secrets and then all of a sudden it's living on your street and you haven't told your significant other slash spouse or whoever in your life is like your partner in this life. um, I feel like you have to address where you're at with honesty in your relationship yeah and maybe part of if you haven't told your husband maybe the part of you that's reacting is like the guilt of not having shared that yeah i think that like i can see someone getting defensive and weird because it's always hard when you're dealing with someone's exes in any way 
but like it's such a normal experience to be like my ex makes me deeply uncomfortable and I if I see him I shut down and oh, I yeah, want to like, yeah. avoid that That's but not I a... would say that in a marriage totally. I, I, but like no 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 I would say that in a relationship but if I'm in a marriage and mm. now the only reason why I'm finding out is because they live two blocks away I would I would be like I would accept it but I would also be like, so the first time I'm hearing of this person or relationship is because they moved on our street and you're dealing oh, with it. Oh, I see it. what you're saying. Like, yeah. why, why, why hasn't like it come up that this person, like that you had this ex who kept Especially popping up? Especially if and... your feelings about him are so complicated. But you know what, though? Like, the thing about guys like that is they downplay the seriousness of your relationship while you're in it. So it can kind of feel like weird. Like, I've had that experience where like there's someone who caused me a lot of pain in the past. But I feel weird ever mentioning that person to anyone else because when we were like having our thing or whatever, they were like, this is not serious. We're not together. And yeah. so it feels weird. Like, I feel like a weirdly obsessive person to talk about this. You feel like guilted out of like expressing that discomfort because when you were with that person, they made you feel like it wasn't anything worth talking about. I'll tell you that I've had that like a few times in a way that's and they've really fucked with me, like for extended periods of times and like like years sometimes. And like I had an ex from when I was very young first in L.A. reach out to me not long ago and was like, um, I was like, he said something about how I was his girlfriend. And I was like, oh, you're calling me your girlfriend now. And he was like, yeah. He's like, I was young. I was a jerk. He's like, but you were my girlfriend. And I was like, yeah, I fucking know I was. <laughs> like, where were you then? Yeah. Like, and I know, you know, so like in a weird way, like, you know, you were his girlfriend. He might not know. That could add another layer to it. Maybe go with his version of events when you talk to your husband and be like, I don't know. There was this guy like we had crushes on each other growing up. He lives in the neighborhood now. He kind of creeps me out. I don't feel great about it, you know, but also this is on a podcast. You don't want to live a lie like you're married to this person. If this was an issue for divorce, you guys are going to split up anyway. I would come clean and just be like, yo, be my partner in this. Like you have an advantage that most people who run out in public and see their exes and are not over it don't have, which is that you're, you're married. Yeah. You've moved on. Like this sucks for you and me, Lewis, because we're because <laughs> we're fucking duds. We're, we're, we're just we're just totally single. We're just a couple spinsters and spinsteresses. Ugh, but love it. Um, yeah, no, I I think that it's time to to come clean, like Hillary Duff, baby. Um, I'm gonna read letter number three. Great. We're just gonna skate on by. We're at 48 minutes so far, so. Um, I hate that production note when other people say that, like when they're like, oh, we're almost fucking done. But I'm like, I'm thinking of pacing for Christina's mental health. And Christina, you should leave that in just so everyone knows I'm not an abusive friend. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I literally felt like the most abusive friend after that gambling episode. Okay. Hi, Malls, Christina, Wags, and guest. I'm really enjoying the latest episodes of the pod. You're killing it with your stellar advice. I'm choosing to remain anonymous because I'm an Aquarius and we're shifty bitches. <laughs> My dilemma is this. I'm 22 years old and I'm a gay man. There's more, I promise. I'm in my friend. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm in my final year of university in a small college town in southern Ontario. Oh, I knew they were Canadian because they said university. I was going to say, if this motherfucker isn't from Canadian, he is pretentious as fuck. <laughs> um, most of the gay guys here... Oh, sorry. Most of the gay guys I meet here are either emotionally scarred and in the closet, already in a committed relationship, or unattractive to me personally. <laughs> However... <laughs> 
literally like me when I was 22. No, like just not to <laughs> me personally. Like as in like That's so generous. No, I... y'all so fucking ugly. Like it's so bad. <laughs> Listen to our Mother May I a podcast Patreon episode if you want to hear about standards when you're young <laughs> i'm in my final year of university in a small town okay we did that blah 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 gay town okay blah, blah blah however last night i was having drinks at a local dive and one of my friends mentioned that i'm sorry and one of my friends mentioned that a former co-worker of mine thinks i'm really cute in quotes i wasn't sure what to do with this information i knew the guy she was referring to as bisexual but i never got any flirtatious vibes from him Thinking about it later, I came to the realization that I wouldn't mind giving this guy a shot at the least. I texted my friend about it, and she totally walked back what she had said before. Apparently, this guy had only called me cute in passing once and didn't mean anything serious by it. Now I'm confused. I don't even know what to believe. I'm not even sure if I actually want to hang out with this guy or if I'm just lonely and frustrated that I've never dated anyone, except for this one weird gaslighting incident with a straight guy. Yuck. Oh. oh god i actually wrote this and pretended i was canadian so it would just be i like literally like am viscerally feeling this and i'm not even a gay man i'm just like being me and knowing i'm empathetically here with you bae okay so it doesn't help that i haven't had sex in a while and i'm craving human co uh contact very badly i think i've blathered on enough i hope i gave the right amount of detail in my account of the situation what do you think i should do should i reach out to this guy and see what happens should i just start to tough it out and stay off the dating scene until i graduate and finally move out of town please advise oh man i have i have thoughts okay first of all i think what happened is that the friend texted that guy being like hey my friend that you said was He's cute is, in, is into it and the guy was like oh never mind I think that that's what happened, right? Like, I don't think it was like... Why the never mind? Because maybe, because there are plenty of people that I've been like, oh, he's cute. And then as soon as I perceived any level of interest, I was like, I actually can't see myself having sex with that person. Yeah. Like, I think that there's just like so many levels of cuteness and like attraction. And like, I have to believe that like, if his friend mentioned that she, that her friend thought he was cute or like a former coworker or whatever, that it was because she was trying to hook them up. And that if he responded and was like, I'm into this, she went back to that friend and he was like, I don't actually want to do this. I would not reach out to that guy directly. I think that you should t like take this as like almost a positive sign because the reality is, is that people who are anxious or willing to let it get messy in their friend group, um, it's very short-sighted and I know you're only 22 and so your friend group is probably very incestuous co-workers former co-workers etc like that small pool is very incestuous it will only be more it's hard to see right now because you probably are you're coming out of a college environment where everyone's just on top of each other all the time so not dating is not really a choice um I think that in a weird way, it's a compliment. I feel like this guy doesn't not even it's not even just about not fucking you because people will still fuck someone even if they're if they're cute, if they don't want to date them, especially just, young gay men. Yeah, they'll fuck them and then just like not deal with the long haul. Um, it also could be that this guy isn't totally comfortable with his bisexuality. I think that. that oh, yeah, that's a good point too. an option, too, because it's not like this guy is like a seasoned gay player. Right. Like he's a he's bisexual which is i think a really open and new area for a lot of people right now a lot now. of people and i mean like i know plenty of really slutty bisexual dudes who like fuck men and women all the time but it sounds like this guy 
perhaps is new to it or is a little bit closeted or it sounds like he wasn't someone who you perceive to be dating and sleeping with guys when you work together. So that might not be an area of like that he's super comfortable with. Yeah. Or maybe like, yeah, like maybe he's bisexual and he's interested, but he hasn't really like gone over that hookup bridge yet. Either way though, I think that like reaching out to him directly is not the move. Oh, I don't think he, did he say, he he, said, he uh, said, should I reach out to the guy? No, absolutely not. (laughs) But also I don't think you don't need to do a follow up on, Oh, you don't want to date me. Right. But also I think that, it's he's not actually that attractive to the guy in the first place. Like if you oh, if, someone, yeah. if someone's like my friend thinks you're cute and you know who the person is and you're like you're not immediately like oh, oh I want to you know something just hit me what you don't know you're cute our <laughs> listener doesn't know he's cute so, like literally okay like when I go back to look at pictures of myself when I was 22 I'm like oh I was like fucking adorable right and like at the same time like I literally like some loser would ask me out and I'd be like. Oh, like you think, oh, you think I'm cute? Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. I better like jump on this because like someone finds me attractive. Yeah. Even if it's like this, I'd be like, well, he's like kind of older and like, I guess he's attractive. Like, I guess I'm just like really flattered that he thinks I'm cute. Like I'll go out with him. Right. I don't think you know you're cute. (laughs) I bet you're really cute and you just don't know it. Yeah. That makes sense. But I, but I don't, you feel like it feels like he's not that into the guy though. Because I think if you instantly... No, that's what I'm saying. Right. Is that, that he's I, not that... He's he not. Was like, he's talking he himself right. into it because he doesn't know he's cute. Right. And it's easy to like talk things up in your head and be like, oh, this is a viable dating option for me. Especially when there aren't a lot of options around. They're not, there aren't a lot of cute people around. And you're kind of like, I better like... I'm, I'm craving contact. I'm craving sex. I should settle for this person. No, I think actually the, the reality is is that you are right to go with your instinct that you don't like this guy. You're right to to hear the response the way you did you're right to not follow up on it like I honestly don't know I think that the way he handled it was weird I think the way that your friend handled it was weird it seems like it's one thing to say someone's cute it's another thing to be like they think you're cute you should go on a date with them like that if your friend hasn't given an okay to that in advance it's either your reaction that she informed him of that maybe creeped him out or like maybe maybe she said to him like oh like um i told so and so tonight about like that you said he was cute and he was like he said like he would consider going on a date with you right like if i were him i be, might be like well um i know i'm bisexual but i haven't really dated guys and i might be seeing a girl right now and i don't know this guy doesn't even think i'm cute like i'm not going to date a 22 year old right you know and i think that that might be just one thing for you to think about is that your pool right now that you're in is very small and you, sh- I, I know it's one thing to crave physical affection. It's another thing to like create. I think your friend allowed you c- to create a scenario because this is actually is a pretty small issue and he has never really been in a relationship either. So that's yeah. the reason why he doesn't know that. Do you have a Fitbit? Yeah, I do. Okay. Cause whenever people look at their, their wrist I'm like oh they need to get out of here no it just it just like buzzed and I was like what's happening no I know and this is actually can we'll we'll transition out of this letter honey I think you're okay you've heard yeah us. you're fine but also I do think that like just remember that like you're very young and you will you will be in a place with more options very soon and like 
tough it out as much as possible. Yeah. And if you're like horny, go to a gay bar and make out with someone like or something. Do you know like that's that's an option. Like you don't have to really think you're going to like marry or date everyone that you go out with, which no. I'm sure someone who probably doesn't know. I'll speak for myself. I didn't know I was cute. I didn't know that I had options. I didn't know anything. I was like, oh, I'll take that because why? Because like, I don't know, like I'm from Boston. Like <laughs> I live in LA. Like I thought I'd probably be like working in marketing at Dunkin' Donuts. Like this is crazy. I'll date anyone, um, which is not the case. Like I'm the same as you where it's like, that's why we laughed at the top of your letter. Like you have the right, you have the standards that imply you're cute. <laughs> I'm just exactly. going to say it. Yeah. Your standards imply you're cute. They would be totally different if that wasn't the case. Um, but I want to tell you that I, I've been meaning to say this on the podcast. We got to talk about like Apple watches and just like the and Fitbits and all that stuff because the universal sign for like I'm bored or I got to get out of it's here looking at your wrist. is looking at your wrist. Even when you're not even when you're talking about anything, everyone looks at their wrist. And so whenever I'm like recording a podcast with someone and I look up and they're looking at their wrist, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, how long have I kept them? I was being rude. It was a teachable moment. No, 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 it is. No, no, but here's the thing. It's not about it's not about me. It's about we have to. Okay, so it's like vocal fry. This is the next new age of how we talk. Right. (laughs) Fucking looking at your wrist. That doesn't mean watch anymore. No one wears a wrist watch except wrist watch except for really rich people that are just wearing them for the flex because everyone has a phone. Right. So we need to start to rethink about what looking at your wrist means. It's so funny though because it, it is like a weird standard where like if my phone buzzed, if my phone's always on silent, obviously, but if my phone like buzzed, I would not like look at it and look at the text. But when my wrist buzzes, my instinct is to be like, look at me, look at my wrist and see who it is. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think that that's normal, especially because for a Fitbit in particular, it's well, wrist in general, it's like it's right there. Yeah. It's like on your pulse. Right. So you feel it throughout your whole body. Whenever I, I like hate having my phone on noise or on vibrate. Sorry, I think I have like acid reflux. I'm like burping a lot lately. Do you think I have acid reflux? Probably. Why am I burping? <laughs> Maybe it's acid reflux. Sometimes my heart hurts when I eat spicy food. It's acid reflux. Ew, I don't want that. Sorry, it happens. I'm old. Like literally like yesterday, I was like, um, can I use my CVS coupon for my receipt? I started using <laughs> coupons. I was like, can I use my CVS coupon for my receipt for um, $4 off of $18 worth of allergy medication? Like I bought an ear cleaning kit. Um, if you listen to this podcast, you know I love to clean my ears. Um. Do you have like an ear cleaning thing? No, but I did. I have used like like the peroxide like ear cleaning stuff before where it like oh, bubbles yeah. in your ear and it feels so good, but it's like really itchy. Oh, I used to do that like almost every other day when I was a child. Like it was terrible. It like, feels so good, but it also feels like a little too intense. I well, I love the noise. Like that oh, became comforting to me as a child. Yeah. Like the little bubbles popping in your head, which doesn't sound like it should be no, enjoyable. No, it's so good. It feels so good. It's like honestly, that's like the low key best dopamine rush. It's just like <laughs> tossing some peroxide in your ear. Um, hey, Malls and Christina, emailing this one because it's pretty personal. In August, I met a guy from Tinder. We had been talking a lot before meeting, but he's in a moderately successful band that was about to go on tour. A few days before they left, we ended up going on a date, got pretty drunk, slept together, etc. To be honest, I don't remember a whole lot from the night, but I didn't have any weird feelings about it after. We continued texting pretty regularly while he was on tour, keeping things friendly and casual. About a month and a half later, I started having suspicions that I could be pregnant. 
Because I didn't remember much from the night, I shot him a text asking whether or not we used a condom. He confirmed that we did not. Took a test and confirmed that I was absolutely pregnant. Was going to have an abortion, but ended up miscarrying before my appointment. He was really nice and supportive during the whole time, and I pretended to be pretty relaxed about it because my people-pleasing ass didn't want to stress him out while he was on tour. There were a lot of complications along the way pre-miscarriage. Also, the fact that I don't believe he ever asked me if it was cool to not use protection was really wearing on me. The whole situation was making me deeply depressed, but he was being so nice I continued pretending nothing was wrong. When he got back from tour, we had dinner, and I ended up suppressing a panic attack the whole time. I did want to talk to him about it, but we were in a very public place surrounded by families, and I was too embarrassed and ashamed to communicate something so personal. About an hour after I sent him a pretty real text about how much the situation did, in fact, fuck me up, how upset I still was, and how traumatic the whole thing was for me. After that, he essentially ghosted me, stating that my feelings towards the situation made him too uncomfortable, and I resent him for things that he can't control. I've tried to talk to him a couple times, but he absolutely refuses to acknowledge my experience. But in true fuckboy fashion, he continues to watch my Instagram stories. Didn't think anything I said was really out of line, but he has essentially made me feel like I'm fucking crazy. I'm doing a bit better, but still hurting a lot. I feel like I can't move on until I'm actually able to communicate with him about this. The fact that he refuses to is even more infuriating. It also doesn't help that he's out there with his band promoting some bullshit pseudo woke punk image. I consider myself a pretty strong woman, but I'm really struggling to get over this one in a way. I haven't been able to before. It's been over a month since I last tried to contact him. Is it even worth trying again? Any tips on getting over this bullshit? I am... Am I the villain in this situation? Please advise. Love you guys so much. Anonymous. Um, okay, so we're definitely going to do one more lighter email after this. Um, you know, um, I respect your choice to have told him in the first place mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. Um, I think that this is like probably the biggest learning lesson you'll ever have in your life in a weird way, as much as this wasn't something that like you got yourself into so much, but you know, you do, I think you do feel that the sex was consensual, but the reality of that is different. I just know that, like, if I was upset about this, that's what I would be spending a lot of an emotional pit in is, like, wondering about the details of the night that it all happened. Yeah. As opposed to what I think hurt you even more, which was his reaction after the fact, which is very hurtful and very selfish and really shitty and unfortunately, like, a bad movie version of how a guy in a an emerging pop band or punk band would react to his one night stand girlfriend Tinder situation, potential baby mama, whatever with such um, callousness. Do you think that he freaked out because she expressed feelings or because he was worried that she was going to say that it was not consensual? Both. Because I feel like he freaked out because she started to ask, she started saying like, I don't remember, I didn't give you consent to not use a condom. I don't think it was that. I think that it was both. Because like, I think that he doesn't want to deal, like guys are, are, are 
don't ever forget that guys are always more afraid of you like latching on to them than they are the actual reality of you being able to say something about them. Because what he did was he put her in a perfect situation to say something about him. Yeah. So I don't think he was thinking that way Yeah, that's at a all. good point. Like, I mean, you, you would think that if he were actually concerned about that, he would have like... Tried to tie up some loose ends, write a check. Right. I also wonder like how chill he actually was because she was like saying that she was pretending to be chill when she was texting him about how she was pregnant and was going to have an abortion and he seemed really chill and supportive in response but we don't know if he was actually freaking out about this I don't want to say this to you like in a in a rude way that sounds like cruel about what your expectations were as much as I just want to like let you know how common and valid this is like you slept with a, a guy that's famous like he it meant something to you but this could be every night for him and you know something about very charismatic people who often are the people that get famous is that they can make someone feel very special in a moment which is also a something that a musician would have to have in order to entertain an audience even if just part of a band in order to get along with people like that you have to be somewhat charismatic right make people feel like they're in the moment with you. And I'm not saying that he like wouldn't have slept with you. I'm just saying that this is not someone that in his mind, which I think he was being a fucking asshole. I absolutely think he was being a fucking asshole to like not put on a condom, like knowing that you're wasted. Like what is he like people, you know, men know where babies come from. Like that wasn't the fucking problem. Like, I don't think you lied about being on the pill or something like I don't think that that's something that would have happened when you were drunk. And I also think that even if you did lie about that, that wouldn't mean that he shouldn't wear a condom, especially if he's having sex with quote unquote groupies. I think he's treating you like a groupie. And I feel like if it had gone much further than like, you know, he knew you were going to get an abortion. And I feel like that, well, did he offer to pay for that? That's one question Two, like, I mean, I don't think he's thinking in a me too way. I think he's thinking in a very selfish, like, I don't think he's thinking about repercussions for his actions Yeah. A- in any way. I think that because if he was, then he would be playing peacemaker. Right. But she, in, in the letter, she was like, should I reach out again? Am I because she wants to get some sort of like closure from him. And that seems like a bad idea. You know, the only thing I will say is that if it can keep you from feeling so much resentment that you do something volatile. Like, I mean, like, I'm not saying, like, publicly accuse him of anything. I mean, like, I know me. Like, I could make a guy's life fucking hell if he hurt my feelings when I was a certain age. Like, literally got 200 bumper stickers printed up with his my, his nickname for me and put them on every stop sign and even, like, Every building near his house, his favorite yoga studios, his favorite juice shops. Like, I went fucking nuts. And something like real, real hurt and real, real consequences, like, you know, terminating a pregnancy, which, like, thankfully in my younger, like, I I didn't deal with that. But, like, I would have gone fucking ballistic. Because, like, especially when I was younger, it was, like, the last thing I could emotionally afford on top of not being able to afford anything, period. Yeah. Like, it was it – it would have really fucked with me. So if you are find yourself in that place where you know your character and you think that even though you are a pe- people pleaser, 
because I'm a people pleaser too. There is a day that the people pleaser gets fucking angry. And like that is undeniable and unavoidable if you identify as that person. So if you think you have it in you to be incredibly vengeful and do something like that's not an appropriate punishment, and I'm not talking about reporting him, I think that that actually could be a very appropriate crime for the punishment, but something more volatile, self-destructive that will follow you. Um, I would maybe figure out exactly what it is you want to say to him, go over it with a friend or therapist, uh, probably both, about why it is you want to say that to him. I think you should absolutely be speaking to someone actively. This is something, especially if you're in a city like L.A., um, this is not an uncommon thing that therapists hear about. Like, I feel like I've been in therapy and like talking about someone that like a guy or something and I've like mentioned his name after much reluctance and the therapist almost has been like a, mm, him again. <laughs> okay. Not, not directly, but like, or uh, yeah, like, you know, you just know they like just a knowing like, right. Mm, Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Like, and I'm like, oh, it's a him again. And like, of course, that gets me even more in my head when that has happened because I'm like, oh, so you get a lot of girls in here who he's fucked. <laughs> like, right. So it's been, by the way, like, that's not a direct example. I just want to say that before uh, any like people try to play fucking Charlie Day and that string meme. But I, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think that there might be, I think that you need to talk to someone for sure. And I n- know that the waters are really muddied here and that you could, I think that you were violated. I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't think that my opinion about that matters though. Right. I think it's with you at the end of the day. And that's about an honest conversation with yourself. And when I say honest, I don't mean critical, like to an extent where you're being like, well, talking yourself out of what you feel. I don't mean that. I mean, um, more just like, is this really how I feel or am I upset about something else? Um, because I, it's complicated. It's complicated. It's up to you. It's up to you. Right. But this could be something that you want to talk to him about in five years. Maybe on the other side of five years, you want to be able to bring this up to him. I would foster a low, I wouldn't foster a relationship with him, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't destroy it. I would let him watch my Instagram stories. Do you think that like, I mean, I think that what you're saying about like working with a friend, the therapist and like what you want to say to this guy makes total sense. But in terms of like adjusting expectations, like what he's going to say in response, because it it just seems like with this kind of guy, you're never going to get. Well, hopefully that's what the therapist will help her with. Right. I just think that like to, to expect that person to be like, to suddenly be like, I, what I did was wrong and here's why it just seems very far-fetched I mean the other like great element of bringing a therapist for something like this is that she, he or she will have a maybe get a guy for this may have a better broader understanding of like what this mentality like the way he reacted what it's symptomatic of and how to pander to that the best way possible and that's very manipulative but he sounds like a manipulative bitch too and you sound like you need a leg up Like, you, in every single way, have been damaged the most here while he is out financially thriving, fame thriving, like, emotionally not having to give anything over. He has the most energy in his life. The energy goes, like, out to people 
in like a raw way in terms of music. And but other than that, it's very superficial. You know, it's like maybe hugging fans in a meet and greet if he's that even that famous. So, you know, I also think that like there might be something to consider just like as a lesson here overall. I feel like you only date one or two actors or one or two musicians before you realize that there could be exceptions, but overall, it's not necessarily the best profession to date in, especially if someone is having like a comeuppance or in a really great streak and there's not like more clarity about where you are in your relationship. Like it's very, very difficult to not take that very seriously, especially after you hop into bed with someone like that. You yeah. know, like, because that after, and I'm not saying that for, for you to feel bad about where you're at. I'm just saying that for maybe an overall learning lesson is that I don't think he is an isolated incident. I think he is like the regular thing. Like, I think that that's what's most normal. I agree. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sense. Like, just like, I'm like, so fucking like, I mean, I don't want to say I'm bummed for you because like, these things happen and I don't want you to feel like it's abnormal. And like, maybe that can also help you in a way is to realize that like, I think this happens to a lot of people and like this particular scenario, not even the fame aspect, but everything that you just said, a lot of it lines up and the feelings um, are totally valid. And like, no, that's what, yeah, yeah, no, they're valid. It's like, people don't really speak about it though. And so just know that, like, there are a lot of people out there who are dealing with the same thing you are. And, like, it could be about finding that network. It could be about, you know, I just want, yeah, I just want you to know that, like, it is one of those feelings. It's like grief. It's like when you're feeling it, it feels so singular. But what you don't realize is not, it's unlike grief and not everyone feels it. But it is a little bit like grief where it can strike you in a very unique way, but it's not necessarily a very unique situation. Um, and there's, could be a lot of people out there that, you know, I think that you should be in a group. I think that that would be a way to move forward for you. I think that refocusing on maybe like what makes you happy creatively and in your home and in, in just like your, what sparks joy, bitch? Like what sparks joy? Like bring as much of that into your life so that when you move on, you're better prepared. And I'm like, really sorry like the worst like that's yeah that's like pretty that's like one of that's an intense one for please and I I thank you for writing that in because whenever you guys share stuff like that that is so um profoundly significant um I really appreciate that from I'm sure like a lot of people who listen to your show are like hearing that and having related that to similar experiences that they've had like surely listeners have like gone through the same thing Oh, yeah. No, like, I mean, you're talking to, like, like this, this, this is your crowd. Like, we're all, like, women in our 20s and 30s. Like, we all know someone or have been that person. And it's, yeah, you're, like, not, you're not alone by any stretch. Like, that's why I think this, I'm, like, I'm trying to find an email that will... (laughs) I'm just trying to look for something that will leave all of our listeners out there who might be having a hard time with this um, on a lighter note. And I do have a follow-up 
um, which is from the episode that my friend Ed was in. Um, it was a cup is the last episode Ed was in, um, which I think was pretty recent. But um, I'll tell you really quickly about what the call was about. It was a girl who just started work. She was like a mom. She's not a single mom. She's a mom. She had like got a job that was essentially walking distance from her house. Decent money. Like I think there was insurance involved even. Um, but the first week at work, she kind of brought in her some of her own work supplies. And so like when she was um, you know, doing the procedures, like putting taping notes certain places. Sometimes she would use like this rainbow tape that she had because yeah. it was just like a little flare that she had. And then um, a, an internal like note came around basically. Or no, one one of her coworkers came up to her and was like, what's the deal with this rainbow stuff as a CU? And she was like, yeah. And, and he was like, well, don't do that. Like, just use the regular tape. Like, you don't want anyone to feel, like, politically offended by this. This is someone who's <laughs> in L.A., by the way. Yeah. And so she was like, um, okay. But she kept using her rainbow tape because she's like, that's fucking bizarre. Like, I'm not going to, like, let some coworker of mine tell me that's not her boss. Tell me not to use this tape. Like, it's tape. So then she wound up getting, like, an email. Like, the whole building I guess got an email saying like you have to every I think from my recollection everyone has to use the same office supplies like you know please no personal flares etc and she went to HR and was like why can't I use my like is this about my rainbow tape and they were like yeah they were us they were like there's just some people that feel like it's a gay pride thing and they feel like it's not like what they're expected to deal with when they come to work. Ew. Kind of like they were just like offended by the like by the politicalness of the tape. And like I I felt ew as well. Yeah. I also felt like okay, this is a random ass job. You're a new mom that has a two week walking distance thing. Like you can't expect HR to ensure that every single employee at this company is not homophobic. Like unfortunately like not being like what is it essentially a sentiment is not a hiring or not hiring quality that most companies have right. unfortunately but reality is is they don't because like no one maga would be working at any office in LA but they do um so she basically was at a loss i kind of said like listen like what does it hurt for you to not use their tape like you, if you want this job, if you want to, if you want to prove a point, you can continue to use this tape and then get reprimanded again. But if it's just a tape, then like, don't use the tape. Right. But on principle, it sucks, or, but it's also just like, yeah. Or like literally be like, I don't want to work for a company that employs homophobes and like pack up. But at the same time, you're a new mom. I'm sure you can use the money in LA to have a walking distance job is unheard of. Like, Maybe stack with. So we got a follow-up email. Great. Hey, please advise crew. I'm writing to give my two cents about the new mom with the rainbow tape and the asshole boss. Um, oh, it's a feedback call. It's not even a fucking it's not update. A follow up, yeah. Which is so funny because I know now I know the person who wrote the rainbow tape call. And I thought this was gonna be a follow-up from that person, but no, it's just a feedback. I love and now I wonder if it's a mole. But um, either way, I'm fine. Hi, Please Advise crew. I'm writing in to give my two cents about the new mom with the rainbow tape and the asshole boss. As a Kinsey scale too, I don't have much input from a queer perspective. 
But as a single mom who works and goes to school full time, I'm lightly pissed. This is such a stupid hill to die on given the sequence of events. The caller was asked to stop using her tacky ass tape, tape my ass. (laughs) This is a joke from my old blog, tape my ass, sorry. Um, Once and she continued to do it. Why? Why? What about this job is so below her that she deigns to work there, but her rider requires rainbow tape. Take that tape home to your baby who you don't have to miss out on time with hours in traffic because of this job. Be thankful that you can afford rainbow tape because you're not uninsured or underinsured. To me, this caller is actively looking for a way to blow her job up. Maybe because it's boring, maybe because she's bored, maybe because she'd rather make $11 an hour at a hipster coffee shop. And God bless if that's what she wants. But her boss clearly told her not to use it the first time without incident. And when she continued, the boss had to explicitly give her a reason. Was it because the boss is a bigot? Maybe. Was it because that's the only way that they could think of to get the no tacky tape rule into her head at the in the moment? Possibly. Would I write this conversation down verbatim with the date and time and store it at home for a possible future reference? Absolutely. But this call says so much more about the caller than the circumstances. Something about her is not fulfilled, and this is how she's choosing to find meaning in her daily life. Choose better, Victoria. Well, this is tough for me because I know the person that wrote that email, and I I would say to you, honestly, Victoria, normally I would just blindly agree with your exact opinion. But I also know this person... And I know that she's not a frivolous individual and that this job doesn't mean anything to her. Like, this isn't like she's like, I could work or not work. Like, this is a person who wants a job. Like, she wants and needs a job. And um, I think that it's really easy to interpret that letter as I did or call as I did at first as, okay, Becky, like, you know, like you want to be an ally today. But like, do you want to raise your child? Right. Do you know what I mean? But like, do you want to be an ally or is this about a fucking using Moshi tape or whatever that shit's called on your on your shit? Like, what is that? Wishy-washy tape? What's it called? I have no idea. Fucking craft tape. I have it in my house. It's like, but like at the same time, yeah, when I was like 22, I would, no. I would say like when I was 26 and I realized how fucking unprofessional most of this town is, probably would have brought my own tape in. Just to be like, why not bring a little sparkle to my life? Yeah. Um, but if they provide tape, there's two things here. You can avoid the expense of bringing in your own tape. And, um, you know, you can avoid a job hazard. I also really like the person that that sent this, though. And I think that they do have a good heart and good intentions. And, like, being a little bit hung up on the rainbow tape probably has more to do with their overall view of, like, marginalized people. Yeah, I think it's really... I mean, it would be one thing if, like... You know, your your initial advice wasn't that she should quit her job out of outrage, right? It was just like, I don't think you were suggesting that in the original. No, I said, in fact, I was closer to Victoria's POV. Right, but I think that like. But our initial caller was like, I don't know if I should, I don't know if I should wrap it up here and like, and like continue to work here if these people are bigoted or, right. and even though I get insurance and it's really close to the house. And so the single mom is like. Are you kidding me? You get insurance. You get to walk to work. Like your concern is fucking tape. Like no, but it, it's but once they give that re- like, and I and I agree that if you if you need the job, but you should like keep your head down and just keep doing it, even if they pissed you off with this, and just like use whatever tape they tell you to. But at the same time, like once they tell you that their reasoning is that it they don't they think promoting like 
gay equality is somehow a political agenda, like part of a political agenda. Like that's sort of a bullshit. Like, Oh, I agree with that. But I will say that like, I'm just going to speak for the single moms POV. Like Mm -hmm. my mom cleaned toilets to like make sure that I got to go to school in like a great town. And like we lived on the outskirts and everything else. Like my mom would be pretty fucking bullshit if she heard that like, a woman that got was working part time at a walkable job with insurance, um, and she was taking that for granted for like what could literally be, as she said, keep your stationary tools off of our office stuff, which was my suggestion to her as well, which is like, maybe they just don't want the personalized touch. Maybe they just want the scotch tape because it's clean and and professional. Yeah. Um, and, and I, but I agree, like, you know, the idea that, but, but a lot of, it's really hard for a lot of people to get a job in America, period. It's hard for a lot of jobs, moms in America to get a job, period. It's hard for moms to get a job in America that's anywhere near their house. People in America drive two hours to work every day sometimes just to get to a Walmart. Like yeah. not not two hours to their big fancy city job because they live in suburbia and they're driving into like the heart of San Francisco. No, sweetie, because like they can't like they live in a fucking rural farming village and you have to drive 200 miles to get to like a part where they, you know, like that happens every day. So I will say that, like, I do understand the single mother in particular being like, I don't I can't afford to take umbrage with something like, OK, is right. this tape OK? Yeah, and I, that that makes total sense. I just, I guess, the part that like gets to me is assuming the worst intentions and assuming that like someone upset by this is just doing it because they don't they think they're too good for a job. Whereas like you can you can be grateful for the privilege of having a job and having insurance and having it be walkable and still think this is fucked up. And that doesn't I mean, agree. It doesn't mean you should leave your job. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be grateful for what you have. It just means that like. I think the same time to assume that someone upset by that is doing it for the wrong reasons isn't fair. I agree. No, I agree with you because I've, I find myself trapped between two extremes as well, which is that I think of people like myself now who are more concerned with the bigger picture. And then I look back to my childhood, which was about survival in our nuclear family, which was just my mom and I. So I see it from both sides because when I was younger, we were so worried about living and surviving on our own that it was like the bigger world picture, which was also a smaller dialogue back then, but still the bigger world picture wasn't as so much taken into consideration, right? Um, Because there was not time or energy or anything to even watch or read the news. Like, but that said, my, or have awareness necessarily access But that said, I also see where I am now, which is that, yeah, I would have huge questions about working for an employer. Um, And so to still our original caller with the tape, I say to you, if you can afford to not do this job and you feel very strongly about that, there's no reason why you should have to work for a bigoted person. But I also understand the outrage of a single mom being like, you're so lucky to have this job. This is America. It's so hard to get a fucking job like in L.A. That's not an entertainment that has insurance and is easy to like that is a a near impossibility. Yeah, I I do think that like from an HR perspective, it's very strange that they would say it was because they felt it was promoting a political agenda and not because like they could have simply said 
like this is our policy for everyone to use the same like materials or whatever and like it's as simple as that I think it puts them in a really weird position to say that because I think they can get in trouble down the line having said that like we can't advocate for like queer relationship like it just it seems like it would get them into trouble later on you could call them on that in some other way I don't think it was like even saying that like I think mostly what I my interpretation of it was that it's like on internal paperwork where it's like literally just numbers we don't need an additional like political like eye-catching statement on that page whether it's just for uniformity right or just for whatever like use the scotch tape that comes with your desk but like I could see someone ineloquent, especially like trying to find a way that's PC to say that and somehow stumble onto. And by the way, I'm not making excuses for any of this. I yeah. agree with you. If I I have worked for bigoted people because that is uh, inevitable a lot of times if you want to work in America. But at this point in my life where I'm at, if I was to go to work and like that like everything had to be neutered and like no one was allowed to openly feel away about especially something that's like about their lifestyle, their individuality or that of those they care of. Like that would be a huge issue for me. Like if I couldn't be an ally in my workplace, that would be a huge issue for me. Um, But I also that's me. I don't have anyone else to take care of. And I'm and I can only refer to my past experience and like what I live in. Um, and I think that our, our writer, our follow-up person, I get where they're coming from. I do too. I think that you should check your privilege when you have a job with insurance that's walkable. I think you should also check your privilege if you don't, if you're on a position where, you know, someone's, someone's advocation of like, of, of gay rights means anything to you or not. Like if you, if you like, that is another privilege as well, that like whether or not someone can like advocate for gay community means something to you, like, is is another form of privilege. And it sucks because it's like, I get it. Like, most of us who think logically know that being anti-LGBTQIA, is that right? IA? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, because I have to start, I need to start being, like, aware of the fact that I just stop at Q. Because um, I feel like that's a new lazy habit. But I... I do think that like people that are anti that or have reservations or judgment or bias or bigotry there, they're not necessarily also racist like, or also this or that. Like, unfortunately, hate is very compartmentalized for a lot of people. They could be fucking religious. And then at that point, then it becomes a conversation of are you commenting on their religion at work? And maybe the best way to step off of all of that, which is that, you know, workplaces, especially ones that are somewhat impersonal, often the ones that like give you good insurance and let you show up like that are, are very impersonal. Um, I feel like that's a that might be a point. Like maybe there's someone in your workplace that has a re- a religion, a religious reason that might not necessarily like take your eyes off of it being necessarily a white Christian issue. There are a lot of religions that have issues with homosexuality. That person might even be a person of color in your workplace. Unfortunately, not everyone has come together on that. There's a lot of people that would rather work with like, um, you know, a gay POC male than any woman at all. Yeah. You know? And so, and I, unfortunately I think the best way to like sort of, 
work it out at the workplace if it's if it's a job that you're not invested in, which she was not based on her original call. Um, the best place to like to go with that is just back to zero and like just collect your check. Like because then at a certain point, you're going to have to start questioning people in your work's religion or people at your work's financial situation or their upbringing. And then they're going to have to consider yours. And then at a certain point, it's like, we're not even doing a job here. Like, this is, I, I wouldn't want to hang out with that either. But if you need money, you need money. I, I, it's so funny to me, though. Just like I have to say that like if I ever saw Rainbow Tape, I would not assume it was a gay thing at all. Me neither. That's the, that's the craziest part about it is like, I would think it was tacky tape. I think it's Lisa and, Frank shit. Right. And I wouldn't like it, but it's actually kind of a leap to me to like, the one thing if you were, if your tape said like, you know, shout your abortion or black lives matter or something that was like a direct yeah. political statement or a statement of like, like of the importance of like various marginalized identities. But like rainbow tape to me is so innocuous that like, it feels like it would be so much, this would have been so much easier if they were like, it's ugly as shit. Like, please don't use it. And honestly, I'm going to be real with you. Like I, <laughs> I like you. I like I like our original writer and I like the person that wrote this follow-up. Although I know the follow-up came with a lot of energy that I think would be, uh, that was the energy I had for it when I first heard it, which is like, how dare you fucking turn a job down in America? Like I got very like angry about it. Um, especially in LA. Like I really, and this isn't applied to the person who called, but like, um, I really hate it when people in LA complain about like the perfectly decent job they have. Yeah. Cause it's like, do you know how many people like fucking flounder every day here that like literally stick a gun in their mouth like, because they don't want to go back to their hometown? Like it's like, you're very lucky to have a job in LA period. And that's how I look at that. So, but all that said, yeah, I think it. I don't agree. I, I, I agree with Lewis and I agree with um, our person who wrote this follow up email. I think it's just they don't want their company shit looking like a scrapbook. <laughs> you know, like I would be like everything else is clean scotch tape across the top of the receipts. So like, why is this one thing in the because I'm I'm assuming usually when you tape something, it's a receipt or something that is in an expense report. And that's another thing, too, is that you might be filing people's expense reports or whatever else with fucking Lisa Frank tape on it. I have to say, though, I'm going to, like, try to find the gayest tape I can now. And I will be using tape that has pictures of guys fucking on it's it like, for the rest totally. of my life. Like, fully gay porn tape. We should make that. Yeah, absolutely. There's a market for that. I also, my friend Max be a real, and I... Be a real ally and have guys fucking your tape. Well, so my friend Max and I like have always wanted to make a dick quilt out of all the dick pics that he's ever been texted right. and sell that on eBay and I feel like, or like on Etsy and I feel like we could add dick tape to that as well. Mm -hmm. That's a good... That's a good idea. That's, that's very marketable. Branding. Honey. Ugh. I'm unemployed right now, so I'm thinking about, you know, get-rich-quick schemes. By the way, did you watch the Days of Samiro talk show premiere last night on I haven't Showtime? watched it yet. Okay, AOC is everything. Obsessed with her. She was so good on the show. Such a person. So, like, just so, like, any one of... Like, it's too normal. Like, she's so normal. Right, she's it's a human great. being. Like, so human. But, like, also just the way that she, like, gets excited and she'd be like, wait a minute. Like, it was so – I wish they let her talk a little bit more. I know that, like, usually in a talk show setting they have to, like, do those tight transitions. But there was a couple points where she sort of, like, perked up and then got cut off. And I was like, oh, let her run. But um, it was – I felt spoiled by the premiere. I really did. It was a really great premiere. I hope you guys are watching it. I'm going to watch it. I mean, hopefully – 
I don't know. Don't you hate that when people like as soon as like everyone started to get really hyped on AOC, people were like, I know she's going to disappoint us one day. I just don't want to know what it is. Well, I think it's insane to stand any politician, but I also think that you can promote someone's with really good opinions, who's very good at articulating them, who is energizing a base. Like whether or not you think that down the line, she's going to have to compromise her ideals in some way. Isn't really like, doesn't really matter right now. I agree. But also like, on the other hand, like, yes, you should not, like, get any politician tattooed to your ass because, like, they will inevitably let you down because they're a politician. I think it's definitely self-preservation on a certain level where it's, like, when people are saying, like, I'm afraid for her to let me down. It's, like, because, yeah, we've been let down. But, like, we have to remember these are not our heroes. Like, where I grew up. Right. But you could still you could still celebrate what she's doing right, which is, like, fucking everything right now. I know. So. She's killing it. You guys. And also, Lewis is doing everything right right now, honey. Um, People, did you just write something for the New York Times? I did, Yeah. I wrote, a, I wrote a thing about Lolita, my love, the musical about Lolita for I the New York Times. I started to read, but then I was like, I need to like watch Lolita, like the movie, but I haven't read the book. Right. But you, like, should I read the movie or you could, watch the movie? You could, you, could, you could, it's honestly like not a very long article, but like no pressure. But like, if you guys want to read it, you could read it without the background. Um, I've, never, like, read, I've never read Lolita. Tea, so it's like, apparently Lolita, my love from what I read from the article, it was like done in the eighties. It's based 19, on 1971. 1971. So it was, it was, it was a musical adaptation of Lolita, um, by Alan J. Lerner, who did my fair lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Barry, who's the composer who wrote the James Bond theme. And they collaborated on this musical adaptation of Lolita. Uh, they did two out of town tryouts in Philadelphia and Boston. And then it closed before coming to Broadway. Like they had a Broadway theater, okay. but it was like a huge disaster. So it never opened. Right. Because it's a fucking musical about Lolita, which is like not a good idea. And they had an actual thirteen-year-old like playing Lolita. Yeah, in, it's in really the like show. not. I like. I was thinking the same. Like when I was started, I was like, oh, I was like, what happens to that young actress? Because like, here's the best some thing about Dunscott the, shit. The young, like. the young actress in the original uh, 1971 production when it closed was um, Violet Beauregard from Willy Wonka. Oh wow. Which is kind of the same Had year that she closed. played her already? No, that no, was the same like year. She, she got the, the show closed and then she got Willy Wonka. Oh my God. Well, yeah, you guys, it lays out much better in the piece. I started to read it and then I was like, got distracted by like, just like my fucking bird brain. But <laughs> you're a fabulous writer. Thank you. And I, I think you're just fantastic. I know you're going to fall back on your feet, honey. Can't wait to do that. <laughs> you're welcome here anytime you want it. Please advise. I know you live in New York. If you guys need a New York connect for a... Uh, Hollywood entertainment lifestyle guru. Or just buzz my apartment at 3 a.m. Fucking buzz the apartment, honey. Um, Lewis can go pick up for you. <laughs> <laughs> no. You guys, thank you so much. And um, will you tell everyone where to find you? Yeah, find me at Lewis Peitzman um, on Twitter. Um, my email's there too. Feel free to send me job shit uh, or hire me. Um, <laughs> or marry me if you have insurance. Mm. And he's also or and good credit. Yeah, yeah. Please, don't yes. forget the don't credit. Don't drag me down with your debt. Okay. Um, that feels picky. I, you know what? We'll, we'll talk. We can negotiate. Yeah, like as long as you're working on your credit. Yeah, absolutely. We're all working on it. Thinking a bigger picture. Okay, so anyway, yeah, he's also a return guest, so you can go back in our archives and find Lewis again if you want to hear his previous episode. I love you. I think you're fabulous. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. We kind of went on a journey today. Yeah. I mean, we really hit on it all. drugs sex pain fucking racism allyship we went all there okay so anyway thank you guys so much this is episode 
Um, thank you. Christina Lopez, uh, never leave town again. Wags is trying to bite me. All right, bye. <laughs>